The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. Um, my goal this week is just to, you know, say effort and just go out there and, you know, play football how I know how to play football. And um, that's not, uh, that includes uh, thinking less and just going out there and, you know, uh, playing off of instincts rather than just, of, you know, so much, so to say, info in my head, data in my head, and literally just going out there playing football. When you say thinking less, what do you think was causing you to think so much, maybe think too much? Um, you know, could be, uh, you know, uh, coaching, um, I think. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, it makes it, you know, uh, they're doing their job when they're giving me, you know, what to look at and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, I you know, can't be thinking about that when, the game comes, I prepare myself throughout the week, and then when the game comes, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's time to play free at that point. So, um, you know, just thinking less and, you know, playing more. Uh, you, you guys' jobs are to get clicked, so it's like, when you take my quote out of context, and when you just say that, if you paint the picture on the inside out, like, y'all are trying to split, split us up at the same I'm not blaming anything on the coaches. I'm never gonna blame anything on the coaches, never gonna blame anything on my teammates. I will take every, whatever happens in the game, I will take all the blame. I don't care. It's a drop pass. It should have been a pass. Put it on me. But never will you hear anything come out of my mouth to where I will blame it on somebody else in this organization, my teammates. Never will you hear that. So I just want to clear that up and just know that, like, I need to play better. That's it. Point blank. If, if y'all, that's, that's what I should have said in the first place. But, you know, I was trying to give y'all more details because... You know, I appreciate y'all for doing what y'all do. And I try to give y'all the information y'all want for you guys' job. So um, I'm going to do that and in the future. like, But I ask you guys to just, just to put the whole quote out. Don't cut it up into words and pieces to make it seem like I'm saying something that I'm not. So, um, again, appreciate you guys what you do. And um, y'all have a pleasure. That's it. Welcome, welcome, welcome to brother from another Jim Trotter is here brother Jim. It is always good to see you. How are you feeling today? I'm, I'm good Michael. We we <laughs> this thing is gonna pop right from the beginning, isn't it man? Yeah, no, no, you know, but no, it's it's funny man because it's like watching uh, watching Justin Fields and listening to Justin Fields. It took me down an unusual path and I'm sure you can relate and I hope the listeners can follow what I'm saying it really you know, talk, uh, took me back to why I wanted to be a journalist, like how, how I got involved in journalism. So the reason, and, and you probably the same way, there are reasons, your reasons change as you progress in the field. So when I was a little kid, 11, 12 years old, saying, 
I wanted to be a sports writer and spend my entire career working for a newspaper. That's what I thought I wanted to do. Never thought about radio, TV, books, teaching, nothing. Just I wanted to work for a newspaper and cover a team because I love sports and I thought that'd be a cool way to do a job. And I never for a minute thought about the money. I didn't know how much money they made. I didn't care. And so it was that. It was the love of sports and just the exotic nature of the job, I thought, from afar. But as I've progressed in the business, what really gets me going is hearing people's stories and asking questions to answers that, 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 that I don't have answers already. I ask questions that I really don't know what the answer is going to be. And so when I get those answers and people are detailed and people give me an insight into what they're thinking, I'm like, okay, I'm very appreciative of that. And so I think that's very rare now in journalism. <laughs> and, and I think that's why interviews are so hard now. Because what Justin Fields gave me yesterday, I'm not talking about part one with the clarification. I mean, part two of the clarification. I'm talking about part one. Jim, part one, what I heard was a guy who's saying, I got a lot of information in my head and I have to balance the coaching points I get versus what I know. Like th these, this is not the coaching staff that drafted me. I was drafted by a previ the previous administration. I was a top 10 pick in the NFL draft and I got to figure out instincts versus coaching points. I got a lot of a lot going on and at times it's making me feel robotic. Is coaching a part of it? Yes, but I also have to be better and it became something else. So it's really hard when we ask people to give us insight and they give us insight. What we do now, Jim, is kind of turn it into something else. We got to put a put a spin on it, put something else on it when I think he just gave you what he was thinking. You got an honest characterization of where he is right now after two games of his third season in the NFL. What do you think? I think he gave the absolute truth about what's going on with him. And unfortunately, the truth can create controversy. And that's what we have here. Him saying that coaching is part of the reason he's suffering from paralysis by analysis is not necessarily, um, I don't think, should be taking as blame the coaches. It's just a fact of life, of football life for him. And you and I have had this conversation before, and I will repeat it again. I think as many players flame out in this league because of poor coaching as opposed to a lack of talent or lack of ability. And so what I would ask the Chicago Bears is, why are you trying to fit Justin Fields into a system that maybe he is not most comfortable with or maybe he is not best suited for as opposed to relying on the things that he does well first. And so that's what I took away from that more than anything. When he says, um, you know, I'm thinking too much, he's going out there trying to be perfect instead of relying on what he has learned during the week and then relying on his abilities and going out and making plays. And I say this to say, I remember early in Alex Smith's career where he was going through a new coordinator every year and Norv Turner came in as the OC one year. And I remember a teammate or a coach telling me that what Norv did with Alex Smith to slow the game down and make it more effective is he said, I only want you to read half the field, right? Mm. And if your read isn't there, then throw it away or take off or move, right? I don't want to overload you at this point, which is not to say that Alex Smith wasn't smart enough to pick up an entire playbook. 
he was just saying that in that moment, he didn't want to overwhelm him with too much information. And so I took that, um, I took Justin Fields' comments to be sort of the same thing. And I would say to the Bears, instead of throwing everything at him from the beginning, why not try and give him a little bit at a time so that he's comfortable? And that way you can combine the, the, the football part of this in terms of the game planning and the scheme and all of that with his athletic ability and then hopefully build on that. Yeah, I, I love those points you just made, Jim, um, especially with coaching unique talents. Like Justin Fields, and, and I got to tell you this, it, it's a little bit of a surprise to me that he has the talent that he has. And that may sound, that sounds strange to you as I am a uh, card-carrying lifelong member of Buckeye Nation and I watched him his entire college career do business at Ohio State, but I didn't see this side of Justin Fields at Ohio State. I never would have guessed that he would be a guy who's a whisper away from rushing 4,000 yards in the season and that he has the power and speed running the ball because he was so effective at Ohio State just dropping back and passing it. So he's got he's got a lot of dimensions to his game. What he's what he has figured out first. It's just the opposite. I thought he would figure out the passing side first in the pros and then that the running would come into it. But it's just the opposite. He has really established himself as himself as not only a very good running quarterback, maybe the best one in football right there. Lamar Jackson, Justin Fields, uh, you know, and he's bigger than Lamar. <laughs> and he's stronger than Lamar. So we're not, we not going to so, go there today. We're not going to go there oh, today. You don't, you don't, what, you don't think so? We ain't got to go there today. No, well, look, you don't think so? When there, when there comes to running, quote-unquote, I'm not going to say running quarterbacks, but quarterbacks who run, there are different elements. With Lamar, there is a suddenness to his game, to his game when he runs. In terms of the ability to stop and start right away and get to full speed, quicker than say Justin Fields might be able to do. So there there are there are different styles of And Lamar's a better passer. Right at this yeah, point. He's, all, he's a more he's a more no, refined passer by far. No question. The statistics speak to that and they also speak to his ability to throw from the pocket, which a lot of people don't want to give him credit for. Um, but we know what that's all about. I would say this to you, Justin Fields, again, if you look at how he ended last season and you talk about his ability to run with the ball, um, then then build on that and start with that. But unfortunately, the directive right. for him all offseason was, well, we got to get him working from the pocket, right? He's got to be he's got to be better from the pocket. He's got to make more plays from the pocket, and whatnot. And so now you have this ingrained in his head coming into this season. And so instead of doing what made him so effective a year ago, he's now thinking, I got to be more effective in the pocket. I got to be more effective in the pocket. And instead of maybe trusting what he sees or, or what he is being told, he is trying to be perfect and waiting for, let's say, potentially a receiver to break wide open, or he's not coming off of his first progression as he should, and he's missing wide open receivers. Because of that, all I'm saying is that you can tell, as he said, he is thinking too much. And if you go out there yeah. thinking too much, Michael, we've seen what happens, and we're seeing it yeah. now. I, I that's what I'm saying. I, I agree with, with, with everything you're saying. And I, I think your point about um, 
the Bears and trying to force him to do things. This is just doing too much. Now, now, see, now, now you're thinking too much about media coverage. You're doing this foolishness. Um, see, I think that's, they what, do lack that, imagin- that's what gets me. Yeah. That's, I, because, I think they lack imagination with their with their court with their coordinating offensive coordinator. I think it lacks imagination for what it could be with him because he's different. That's what I, yeah. I that's you're saying that I agree with you. Yeah, but what what's gets what gets me too is that if he says, you know, coaching is part of this, he is telling the truth. And he's also saying I got to be better. It's not an either or proposition here. It is both things. And so I I the unfortunate thing is as you said as you opened with, like we want these guys to be honest with us. We want them to take us inside and help us understand what they are seeing, what they are feeling, what they are experiencing. And then the minute they do that, all of a sudden, what do we do? Now we want to pit folks against each other, and we want to create this drama, this tension, and whatnot. And that's the unfortunate part because, as you said, what it does is it turns these guys away from opening us, to, opening up to us about um, things that are actually happening. I didn't take his comment to be an indictment, so to speak. Like, you know, he doesn't have faith in his coaches and whatnot. Maybe he's trying to get to a middle ground or a happy ground with these guys and say, here is something else for us to think about, about why we are not being effective. And you can say he should have kept it in-house, and I'm not going to disagree with you necessarily, but I'm also am not going to criticize him for being honest with us and helping us understand what exactly is going on. Well, that's, that's a perfect transition, uh, Jim Trotter, because I like when people don't keep it in-house. I like when people tell the <laughs> truth, and they're truth-tellers, and they expose things that are happening, and they just speak the truth and let and let people interpret it any way they can or any way Uh-oh, they want where to. where is this going? Where Bro, is this we going? Need, we need truth-tellers out there. Oh, Jerry Jones, Jerry Jones. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Jerry Jones. Okay. Let's hear from Jerry Jones. <laughs> Some of the representation is not accurate. It's just not accurate. Uh, but I do and want to and have worked very hard to uh, uh, get minority ownership in the NFL. Spent a lot of time on it. And I'm all for that, of course. And um, I, uh, Jim's a friend. And I think a lot of him. And. Uh, uh, I hate that we've uh, uh, got some litigation, and uh, hopefully we will uh, uh, address all of that. But uh, uh, the the overall uh, uh, the overall concern, I would say, is just not accurate. All right, Jim Trotter, uh, that's your friend Jerry Jones. Um, he says the overall representation is not accurate. Uh, so. How do you feel about what did you think when you heard Jerry Jones say Jim's a friend? I think a lot of them, but you know, the overall representation is not accurate. Your thoughts. Uh, first off, I have no animosity towards Jerry Jones. It's funny in situations like this, or even when I would ask Roger Goodell that, you know, the questions that I asked him at the Super Bowl, there are people who think that there, that there is animosity between me and the person that I'm questioning. There is no animosity in the case of Roger. I'm just doing my job with Jerry. I was, in essence, doing my job as well, asking him a question. Three separate times I said to him, why do you all have such a hard time hiring black people into decision-making positions? Three different times. And after the third time, he said to me, 
I'm beginning to get a little defensive. And that's when I had to say to him, Jerry, I'm not speaking about you individually. I'm speaking about owners as a collective. And that's when he made the comment to me about, well, if blacks feel some kind of way, they should buy their own team and hire who they want to hire. Now, I don't know how you take that out of context. I, I don't know how you misinterpret that. Um, my, my response to Jerry about, you know, him fighting for minority ownership, they've had two franchises, the last two franchises that have sold, there have been opportunities to have a primary majority black owner of those teams, and yet that has not happened. Why? Because NFL owners are always going to go for the highest bidder, the biggest buck. Um, Byron Allen's group, as you know, was in there trying to purchase one of these franchises. Robert Smith, we knew, had an interest in the Bronco franchise. So the thing that's curious to me as I listen to Jerry's comments, what I asked some friends when I heard it is, is he talking about majority owner, primary owner, or is he talking about limited partners? The NFL's got yeah. black limited partners. That's not an issue. My focus, and I think the focus of others, is when are we going to have a primary owner, a majority owner, who is black, who can therefore be in the room when owners have their one-plus meetings? Because right now, guys like Magic Johnson and these other black individuals that the league likes to trot out as showing how you know their diversity in terms of ownership, those individuals are not allowed into those private sessions. So I want to know when we're going to have black folk who are in those private sessions. And lastly, I will say this. I have said it before and I will say it again. Me personally, I'm not just looking for a black owner. I am looking for a black owner who is socially and culturally conscious so that when he does get into that, he or she does get into that room with these private sessions with the other owners, they can speak to an issue that comes from our culture, what we experience societally, and those things, as opposed to someone who is just going to go along to get along. Yeah, yeah but you know, I, and I agree with you, Jim. I'm wondering uh, what kind of person we're talking about who would be able to do that as a new owner. So, you know, like a lot of these guys, all the committees and all the influential the committees and subcommittees that, that are part of the NFL, those usually go to the influential owners who have been around for a while. And so the, the guys who used to be the, the new guys, I remember when Robert Kraft was a new guy in the mid-1990s, he was a new guy. Now he's an influential guy. You know, five, six, seven years later, Arthur Blank, the new guy. Now he's one of the influential guys. And Jerry and all these guys are really holding, they're the core, they're the core owners who are making decisions. It's not all 32, you know, th adding Green Bay, uh, different situation. But it's not that all 32 are 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 are, are the same. Some owners are no, more but, powerful than others. And so well, you know, my, my, my question is, if you bring in a guy, though, if you bring in a new guy, you bring in a new guy, or new, using that term, a new person, male or female, right. doesn't matter. Right. New person, a black owner, new to the NFL, go into that, now you are one of 32. It's going to be very difficult for that person to go in and affect the room as the new one taking on this very powerful lobby that's existed for a generation, at least. No, no question about that. Absolutely, you are correct. But change has to start somewhere. 
I would say this to you back in 2018, if you'll recall, the demonstrations during the national anthem had basically died out. There were maybe a handful of guys who were still kneeling. And yet the NFL owners at their owners meetings that year decided to put the anthem policy back on the agenda. And the question was, were they going to change the policy to prevent players from demonstrating during the national anthem? And so I remember reaching out to a couple of owners before that meeting and saying, why are you doing this? This is basically dying out. Why would you rekindle the fire here? And these owners said, these two in particular said to me, I agree with you. I don't know why we're doing this. There really isn't a need. The night before the vote, I remember talking to a league official who had met with Stephen Ross and with Jeffrey Lurie and who had told me that in those discussions with them, there really didn't seem to be an appetite for changing the anthem policy because the demonstrations were dying out. I remember waking the next morning and finding out that yes, they had voted and yes, they had changed the policy to now say that if you were going to be on the field, you would have to stand. If you wanted to demonstrate, you would stay in the locker room. And so I remember reaching out to these owners then again and said, wait a minute, we just talked about this. What changed basically in the last two days or overnight? And I was told that influential owners like Jerry Jones came in and sort of wielded their power and got enough votes that even if these other, other owners who thought or believed that there was no need to mess with the policy, um, they didn't have enough votes to leave things as they were. And so they fell in line and voted with Jerry Jones and the other owners to change the policy. I think there were two abstentions. One was the York family, San Francisco, and the other was Mark Davis with the Raiders. I say that to say, at some point, owners have to be willing to stand up on principle over profit. And even though guys like mm. Jerry Jones or others may have influence on certain matters, when it comes to matters of principle, are you willing to stand on principle or are you always going to fall in line simply because it can earn you a few more dollars? And I think the more people you get in that room who would be willing to say that on important issues, we are willing to stand on principle, that's how you start, in my opinion, to sort of sway the momentum against people like Jerry Jones who are solely concerned about the bottom line and the dollar. Yeah, most of them, I, I think, I think most of them are. Um, just be, because of the position that they're in. There are very few people who can even deal in at that table. You know, if, if this is a casino, that's the room, the NFL owner's room, you just keep walking by because that is like, you got to get beyond like 22 velvet ropes just to put your bid in. So most of the people, unfortunately, are like-minded when it comes to the bottom line. A lot of them are yeah. not in that room because they value principle over the dollar. A lot uh, of them are in that room because they value, they value the dollar over principle. Uh, and now a lot of the, new, a lot about, of the new owners, a lot of the new absolutely. owners more than the older ones. Because yes. the, in the previous, the numbers, in the previous yeah, NFL, the numbers have gone yes. crazy. Absolutely. It was quite different when you had a Lamar Hunt or a Dan Rooney or those people who I would argue placed as much importance on principle as they did profit. Now, whether or not the children of these current owners mm. will take the same attitude as their parents, we will find out somewhere down the line. And I tend to think that some of them will stand more on principle than profit, but we'll have to wait and see. 
But here's what I would lastly say to you on this, to the issue of ownership, uh, Michael. When you get in that room, those private sessions, your vote is as important as Jerry Jones's vote or any other owner's vote. It's 32 votes, right? So it's not like because you're new, your vote counts less. Your vote counts yeah. the same. Yeah, good point. All right, listen, we're going to talk a little, uh, little Cowboys. We got a Cowboys player, maybe their best player, who wants to play on the other side of the ball. Think about that. We'll talk about that and more. More good stuff coming up. VFA, brother from another with Jim Trout. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. I love this. Uh, I love this story, and I love the person we have on to talk about it, Jim. Uh, Micah Parsons, we know, dynamic defensive talent, plays multiple positions on defense. He is a load. He is the person who keeps offensive coordinators and head coaches and opposing fan bases up at night. However, he says that he'd like to play offense, Ashley Nicole Moss, and I, I hope as a representative of Cowboys Nation, that you could talk Micah and fans out of this ridiculous notion. What say you, Ashley? Uh, You know, listen, Micah is an athlete. Micah eats, breathes, sleeps football. I have no doubt that he would be a successful tight end. I mean, you see defensively, there's nothing he can't do. I mean, I've yet to see anything he can't do, but you don't have to do it all, Micah. We believe you. Practice is not the game. I don't need you playing both sides of the ball. The offense is the offense. I need you on defense. I need you where you are the best. I need you where you are the most valuable. And that's not as tight end. So it it could be fun in practice. I I know in practices, guys do a lot of crazy things. Dak sometimes a kicker. He runs routes. I don't want to see Dak Prescott running around in an actual game. You know what I mean? Let's just leave that. Leave that at the star. I'm good where we are. I'm so happy to hear Ashley say that because I, I I brought a prop for today. So I want to show you guys this. This oh, we is got props. if I can get it balanced here. Here we go. 
This is this is a preseason game, Chargers against Chiefs, and that is Junior Seau, all-pro linebacker, playing tight end, catching a touchdown pass from Jim Harbaugh, I believe. Junior Ooh. was so bored on defense that he asked the coaching staff to play offense, and Mike Riley, the then head coach, allowed it. Well, that touchdown pass was enough for Mike Riley to allow Junior Seau to take some snaps to tight end in the regular season. Fast forward to week two. I believe it was against the Chicago Bears. Junior goes for a short pass over the middle and got lit up. Lit <laughs> up. Cut his chin. Had to get stitches and whatnot. And that was the end of the experiment. So I would say to Micah Parsons, could you play tight end? Absolutely. Should you play tight end? No. He should rely on what Ashley has just said to us. Go. Continue to dominate on the defensive side and make your presence felt there because there will be people coming after you if you are in on playing offense um, looking to take a shot and deal out some of what you are normally dealing out to others. For sure. Rest in power, rest in power, Junior out. Now, I think, uh, Jim, even after that week two incident, I bet you Junior still wanted to play because he signed that picture for you. That was a good moment. Somebody took that picture. He signed that picture. So he probably was thinking, come on, I can still no, play tight end. Yeah, true story. He he loved that moment. He, and our photographer, I was working at the San Diego Union Tribune at the time, and Sean Happy took this photo. And Junior asked for a copy of it. And I thought it was such a cool photo. I had it myself. And he offered to sign it when I gave it to him because we had a couple. So he has one. Mike Riley, Aww. the head coach, had one. And I have one. The three of us all have, um, well, Junior's family now, have this photo. And he offered to sign it for me. I said, who am I to say no? So absolutely, I love that in my story. office. And will always stay that in my is, office. I love that, that story. Is such a, that's, that, is a, that is a great story. And I'm wondering, uh, Ashley, as we're talking about Dallas, you know, Micah Parsons as an individual is fine. We know how great he is. But collectively, mm -hmm. everyone... You you hear it. You heard it even before we came on. I sure uh, do. Jim Trotter <laughs> said, oh, yeah, it's nice until the playoffs start. But why? Look at him putting I, it on me. No, because I, I believe. I believe. I believe in the oh, Cowboys. You, I do. I Yes, wait, wait, wait. I do no, believe in up. them. No, wait. No, no, no. Hold up. Somebody's lying. <laughs> I want to hear what you believe. What do you believe? How I, far will they go, Mike, Michael Holly? I believe I believe they can go. I, I think they match up no, 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 Philadelphia. No. I believe they match up. I think they're better than San Francisco because they have more than San I think they're better than the Niners. Yes, I do. We'll talk about them in a second. But Ashley, you tell me this. Forget about what Hold I up. think. Wait, no. Ashley's no, here. No, 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 Hold up. Hold up. No, 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 no. Hold up. We're going to use this as an example, as a teachable moment for your students, Michael Holly. I asked you a specific ahead, question and you dodged around it. How he gave far the will answer. Super, super Bowl. Uh, he gave me the they're political super, answer. They are, they are Super Bowl contenders. They are Super Bowl no, no, contenders. No, 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 no. I don't know who's going to win it. I picked Cincinnati to win the Super Bowl. But is Dallas <laughs> as good? Okay, I picked Cincinnati to win it. Is Dallas is as Dallas good as Cincinnati? Going? Hold on, hold on. How I'm, far I'm is Dallas going? They are going to be in the conference champion, NFC championship game. NFC championship game. Because I do they win I mean, it? I gotta, I, do they win it? They could. <laughs> no. They could. They could. Hey, I don't know. How do I know? Who am I? Who am I? The Lord? Am I the Lord? I don't know. 
Come on, bro. I don't even know. I don't even know go what's going to happen ahead, in Ashley, two hours. No, I don't Ashley, know. Go Ashley, tell me, tell how's us. it going to be different, though? How's it going to yeah. be different this year uh, compared to last year when they just looked a little overmatched against San Francisco? Why is this year different? Listen, I think that this team is more balanced. I think that not only team-wise are they more balanced, I feel like Dak looks a lot better. I think that that offense looks a lot better, which also makes Dak's job easier. I think the play calling also is is more adherent to the quarterback that Dak is. They're more creative on offense. I think one of the things that I was having an issue with last season was Kellen Moore was calling a lot of plays for the quarterback that Dak Prescott used to be. And he's not as mobile as he once was once upon a time. And I think a lot of that has to do with that gruesome injury that he had in the year of his contract. It changed the way that he played the game. But if you saw in a lot of the situations he was put in, it was still very much reminiscent of that quarterback pre-injury and you needed to adjust. I think that a lot of his strong suits and the things that he does well are being highlighted more in this offense, which then makes him better and makes the offense better. Now, I'm not somebody who gets too high or too low. Don't get me wrong. I love beating the Giants, and I love even more when we 40-piece them and they don't score a point on us. Oh, it's there fantastic. It is. There it is. I love beating both New York teams. I call them New Jersey teams because you are where you play, and you play in New Jersey. Ooh. So petty, I petty, enjoy petty. thoroughly petty. what has been going petty. on these past two weeks. I fully expect for this Dallas Cowboys team to beat the Arizona Cardinals. I'm hearing what everybody's saying. Yes, the competition has not been, you know, creme de la creme. It's not like we're going against, you know, the Chiefs. It's not like we're going against the Miami Dolphins right now. We are going against teams that we are supposed to beat. So right now, I like that bare minimum. We look good, but we are doing what we're supposed to be doing and beating Mm. the teams that we're supposed to beat. And that, for me, sets a precedent and a mindset and a trajectory that hopefully falls into the games and the matchups against the teams that are going to give you a little bit of a harder time. Well, speaking of those teams that might give you a harder time, uh, let's hear from Brock Purdy. Representing the Niners, the Niners take on the Giants tonight. The the Niners are ten and a half point favorites. Here's Brock Purdy. As they should be. <laughs> As a quarterback, you want to play perfect. Is that, you know, um, you know, a real thing? Like, can you play perfect? I don't know. You know, you're gonna mess up, obviously. But um, for myself, it's like, man, I hold myself to a standard. This whole offense, this team holds ourselves to a certain standard and and so for me it's like man I got to watch that the film learn from it um get out of practice and rep it you know rep it rep it to you know build that confidence again that hey we can hit those those shots and those opportunities we've done it in the past and it's something that you know you learn from um but not dwell on and I let it affect your game moving forward all right, Jim Trotter. Uh, I say, give me the Giants in ten and a half. Ten and a half. That's a, a lot of fun. I mean, that's a lot. Brock Purdy, real quick, well, doesn't look a day over nineteen. Like, how old is no, he? No, he doesn't. <laughs> so, 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 Trotter, Trotter, tell me, uh, tell me why I'm, you, you, you started laughing when I said, give me ten and a half. The Giants in ten and a half. Why is that crazy? You know, the reason the reason I started laughing is because a little bird told me in my ear one time that Michael Holly is not a believer in Brock Purdy, right? And I'm basically asking, what does he have to do for you Ooh. to become a believer in Brock Purdy? I, 
I, I don't get it. All he has done no. since he has taken over the starting job is win. The only game he has yeah. lost is when he got hurt. So tell me, what does he have to do for you to become a believer? Ashley. Hey, Ashley, Jim coming for yeah. your neck today, Michael. What's up? What'd you do? I, know, I like it. I, I appreciate I know, it. I appreciate I it. I like that. I like I love Jim Trotter. Okay, Ashley and Jim, <laughs> you both know what this what this what this situation is like. This is not about Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy just caught my straight. He's catching strays. It ain't about Brock Purdy. I like him. He's a Mr. Irrelevant. Good for you. Iowa State. I'm glad you're in the league. I hope you get paid. It ain't about you. It's about the Niners. I just don't like the way they are excuse makers and they get a pass every year by the by the media cartel. They get a pass because Kyle Shanahan's great with the media. John Lynch is great with the media. So I got to hear again about their Super Bowl ready roster. And last year just put, pushed me over the edge. Hey, you know, if we had a quarterback. We would have beat Philadelphia. Sit down somewhere. The injuries happen in football. Imagine. Imagine a football player gets hurt. Imagine a guy <laughs> throwing a football. And if somebody runs into him while he's throwing, he might get injured. Quarterbacks get Ooh. hurt. You're not entitled to win. You're not entitled, so stop. I, so I root against the Niners, but I root for Purdy, if that makes sense. I kind of root for Purdy, but I don't want him to win the Super Bowl. Because I don't I like that attitude. a little bit. I mean, I do they act, think... They act well, funny. Ashley, they funny acting. They funny acting, the it, Niners. I, I like hear it. what you're saying. I hear what you're saying in that regard, because I feel just like with my Cowboys, I feel like the goalpost is constantly moving for Dallas that it doesn't move for other teams. Like, there are other teams in the league who right now are sitting at two and zero, and they are being celebrated as, as they look fantastic. And, you know, the yep. Eagles are one of those teams and they look fantastic. And, you know, this is great. And, and nobody over dissects the schedule. Nobody over dissects the teams that they went ahead and got wins against everyone. Just, Oh, everyone just is always focusing on the pros and the pros and the pros with Dallas. The goalpost is moving often because we're 2-0 but yet it's oh they play the Giants oh they play the Jets oh it's not the offense oh Dak doesn't look that good and I'm just like what's good for the goose gotta be good for the gander like yeah. you gotta go yeah. ahead the goal what's up, gotta stay the same. I, I don't like get that. your people get your people Charter. what's up Mm-mm. Can I jump in on this? I, I would I would never interrupt Miss Ashley, you know, because she always brings the intelligent takes here. But it's not moving the goalposts. The reality mm. here is the reason we focus on Dallas in the way that we do is because regardless of what they do in the regular season, they always flame out in the postseason. But That's so the do the reality. 49ers. Well, hold, hold, on, hold on. When the 49ers get to the playoffs, what have they been doing? At the very least, they have been getting to Not the NFC Championship game. We're moving the, the goalposts, though. And, and being competitive in the NFC Championship game, with the exception of last year after Purdy got hurt. We don't, we don't see goal. that with them. Oh, 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 can we, can we, oh, hold on. Can we pull oh, up so that list right now? Can we re-pull up that list of all the undefeated teams right now after week yeah, two? Up. Because there are other teams on that list who have fallen short. Oh. Uh, the Baltimore Ravens have fallen short. The Miami Dolphins How many have AFC fallen short. How games have they been to recently? 
What I'm saying is these teams, these teams have fallen short in the playoffs if they've even made the playoffs. I'm not saying that Dallas has been perfect in the postseason. And one of the strikes against us is we look really good in the regular season. And for some reason, for some way, shape, or form, it falls apart when it counts the most. I hear it. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not negating that. But we're not the only team Bingo. on that list that that has happened to. And again, we're not the only team on that list who is 2-0 right now that everybody seems to be celebrating. Oh, they look really good. Look at this team. Look at that team. They're well coached. Look at their defense. Look at their offense. Look at their quarterback. But with Dallas, it's, oh, they haven't played Mm. anyone. Oh, Dak doesn't look that good. Oh, this. Oh, that. Dak went perfect on his opening drive for a, a touchdown went perfect and people are still dissecting that game and saying oh he was not that impressive like what do the Cowboys have to do sacrifice a, a lamb at the 50 yard line I'm confused no Dak was incredibly impressive you will not hear me say that and the defense was incredibly impressive and the Cowboys have often been incredibly impressive during the regular season and then the postseason comes and it's like all of a sudden they have forgotten how to play football. It's week two, so, Jim. You can't you can't throw the postseason in my face in week two. You can't do that unless you're going to do it with the other teams in the mix. It's week two. Don't do energy. that. That's not fair. That same energy. But we're talking about cow- we're talking about, talk about Cowboys you. here, right? The conversation is Cowboys. The conversation is not these other teams. If if anyone okay. wants to talk to these other teams, we can do that as well. I'm I'm happy to do that. But the conversation okay. is Cowboys. And part of the reason, Ashley, the reason here, I get you. You're right. You're absolutely right. But who makes it low-hanging fruit, too? It's the owner who is always talking about the Cowboys, right? Right? I'll never forget last year when this whole thing, when Dak got hurt and Cooper Rush comes in. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, he goes 4-0. And And there's this conversation. Should Cooper remain the quarterback and whatnot? And you got Jerry out there saying, what do you say? He didn't say Dak right away. He didn't say right away that Dak was, it was going to be his job when he came back, right? He created this, wait, hold on. He created this controversy. And so I remember going to someone pretty high up in that organization. Yes. And I said, I said, did you have a conversation with Jerry about this? No, that was coming or whatever. And the person told me, we in this locker room have a rule we have a dome over the locker room and we understand our owner likes the circus. And so whatever he says, he says, but in here, we ain't about all that and we don't pay any Jerry, attention to that. Right. Jerry does not speak for us Cowboy fans. I have my own there thoughts is. on how he has treated how he has treated Dak Prescott over the years. That's a different conversation. I am with you and you're right. I am not a fan of how he has done QB1. That's a totally different conversation. Different day, different conversation. Listen, Ashley, Ashley, always good to see you. Always good to hear you. Uh, You you make a lot of sense. And I hope you all enjoy the game tonight. It's going to be a great game. Uh, Brock Purdy might throw for 400 yards. And the Giants will cover. They will cover. Ten and a half points, y'all. Not happening. That's irresistible. You don't want that bet? I'll take that. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. 
So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. If Steph played in the offense like like me, where it was required for him to have to have a ball more, um, you know, we'd get to see like we'd get to see him do more point guard stuff. You, know? you think Steph is better than you? I don't think nobody is better than me. Like right. when I, I don't think nobody's better than me. When I get on the court, that's probably my my greatest strength is I believe what I believe, and that's. That's what it is. You think but... you're the best point guard in the NBA right now? Yeah. Okay, uh, that's Dame Lillard uh, talking about Steph and others and others. And on one hand, uh, Natalie, I can appreciate what he's saying. And, and I think a lot of pros are like that. They have so much confidence. And even if, if it's, it doesn't match our rankings, it's not about us. It's what has gotten them to the league. It's what's kept them in the league. This unbelievable confidence and belief and faith in their own abilities. On the other hand, come on, bruh. Come on, like, hey, look. Look, stop. Stop it. Stop it. You're not. No. No, you're not better than Steph Curry for many Natalie. reasons. Natalie, yeah, help me make sense of this before I lose my mind on Dame, who I like. I like Dame, but damn. Good for you. Damn. That was cute. That was cute what he said. But first of all, I just want to point out <laughs> a shirt that says Steph better. Okay. That's what it says on it. Steph better and Steph we trust. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. Listen, I truly have no issue with Damian Lillard saying he's the best point guard he thinks Steph is better than him. That's what he's supposed to say. If he didn't, I would be looking at him sort of funny, right? No issue with that. My issue is with the characterization of what Stephen Curry does. You know, when he says, like, if he played, you know, like the way Dame played, he'd be doing more point guard things. What does that even mean? Like, I, I get very frustrated at this idea of Stephen Curry not being a point guard and people not understanding what he does on the court. You know, there was more in that interview, but he talked about, you know, um, he talked about um, Draymond being the team's point guard and all this other nonsense that people say. Let's just be very clear, okay? We need to stop looking at point guard in terms of assists. Like, no disrespect, assists are obviously important, but we cannot measure what a point guard does just by assists. And people look at Steph's assist numbers and they look at the fact that Draymond averages more and they say he's the team's point guard. And that could not be further from the truth, okay? Your point guard is the one who initiates the offense, 
they create opportunities. That's all Steph, okay? Draymond, no disrespect to him, but he helps to facilitate the offense. He helps to make those passes, but the opportunities start with Steph. When two people are following him around on the court and all that space is created, it starts with Steph. And so we have to stop saying that he is not a point guard. And I just want to refresh people's memories. This is the last thing I'll say. Back to 2013, pre- Steve Kerr, when Mark Jackson was the coach, Stephen Curry averaged eight and a half assists. So for those people who need the assists, he's very much uh-huh. capable of averaging high assists. In that first finals with Kevin Durant, when they did the finals, he nearly averaged a triple-double. Please miss me with the he's not a point guard. Jim, what do you think? First of all, how do I follow Matt? You know, she, she always just wraps it up and brings the heat. So I'm all with her. She knows that. And look, you see what's behind me on my wall. It's Stephen Curry there. So you know I got nothing nothing negative to say. The thing I want to add to this conversation, though, in all seriousness, is we have to stop talking about basketball in a way that is, is um, outdated, if you will. Yes. When you talk yes. to the Golden State Warriors, what do they say? We play positionless basketball. Right. That's what they will tell you. And so there's no question this offense is initiated by Steph. But the things that they do and the way that they take advantage of his motion and his way to bring people to him to create opportunities for others and those sorts of things um, is different from how it was in a traditional sense when you and I were growing up, Michael, and, and positions were regimented. You know, it was like this is what a point guard does. This is what a small forward does. This is what a center does. That's not the NBA game today. So we have to it's stop not. talking about it in that way, in my opinion. It irks yeah. me. Oh, Jim, uh, Jim, excellent point. And you can see it. You can see it play out. I, t- I told, uh, I, don't think, I, don't know, I don't think you were on the show. I think I was telling Michael Smith and Vinny uh, that I recently just started some project, unintentional project, uh, start going over all the NBA finals uh, matchups. It started in the 80s and, and made my way up uh, to the present. And you could see it in the 80s where forwards, they were almost like, they, like you know, in, in gym class, like there's a little circle. You can't go outside this bubble or you're out. They were almost rooted on positions on the floor. Like forwards wouldn't go where guards were or go where centers were. They were almost like in this area and guards kept their positions. The game's not like that anymore. The game is so much uh, more open and more free positionless as you said the game has changed which brings us to a game changer Ooh, I like that transition I like that transition brings us to a game changer Deion Sanders who always good who always gives good interview Uh, let's listen to Deion Sanders with Taylor Rooks why are you more than a moment why will this last Um, because moments that has consistency translates into monuments. That's another one that was so good. I just had to think about that. When I said it, I saw it. God, that was good. Let me see if I can say that again. Please do. Moments that are consistent translates into monuments. And I'm a monument, not a moment. You see how it turned and gave you the eye contact at the end? That was like the nail it. That was like the exclamation part. Like, there it is. Yeah. yeah. 
Hold on. Hey, Gary, play the next one, though. Gary, there was another one right after that. Gary, I want you to play it back to back. Come on. Play the other one. Play the other one. Then we can talk about Dion here. Play the next one. I saw that clip uh, of you talking with your sons. There was a joke about, okay, what if what if Shadour leaves? Yeah, yeah, what if he goes yeah, to NFL? Yeah, we don't want to talk about that. <laughs> but in this hypothetical world, yeah, it is a hypothetical. How world. would you feel if he did say, "I want to"? Well, be- you got to understand now. You you know that we're never cut off guard on anything, mm-hmm. and uh, Daddy has been around the block a couple of times. So we've discussed every possible scenario that can be had. What do you have to see from a player to say, okay? They are ready to make that jump. It's, it's not about what I'm seeing from them. Mm-hmm. It's about a whole lot of other things. Um, teams, um, position, um, round projection, all of that plays a role. But Shador don't want to be too to nobody. He don't get down like that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, people projecting him behind, uh, you know, Caleb Williams. And Caleb Williams is, is, is phenomenal. But Shador ain't no backseat rider. He ain't, he, you know, he, he, he drives his Maybach. Mm-hmm. He don't have a drive in it. He drives it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So I, I want you, I, I, yeah, Natalie okay. and Jim, I, need merchandise. I just want you, let's get some, let's get some takes. Uh, let's get some takes on that. What, what, what are we hearing from Dion? Okay. I need merchandise. I need merchandise that says I am a monument, <laughs> not a moment. I need it. I want the hat. I want the shirt. I want it because he's great. <laughs> that is gold. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a monument. Mm. And I, mm. it's not even, it's funny, Jim, but it's not as good as Dion thinks it is. Like, that's what's what, that's what, <laughs> cracks me up is that he thinks it's so amazing and it's like nice it's nice it's not the best thing he's come up with uh jim i'm sure you have come across uh dion in your career what do you think of the moment slash monument that uh dion sanders is is in and is right now the thing i always love is how when he thinks he has nailed one he will tell you like he will say to his people Y'all didn't hear me though, did you? Or no, no, y'all got to clap on that one, whatever. He's gonna make sure you acknowledge what he thinks is like it, you know? And so I'm in my mind, I'm saying, okay, are we comparing a moment with a monument? How are we doing that? And how does that work? But it's not even that good. It makes it it's work. okay. It's all right. It makes it work. Oh, love you, Dion. Love you. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. Do you want a beautiful lawn? 
Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Jim, I want to tell you, in September 2020, when Brother from Another was born, that was a moment. But now we're a monument. <laughs> brother from Another. Uh, oh, you see what I did? You see? You, y'all, y'all heard that? Ooh. Monument. Give me the exclamation point. You don't know what Give it me means. Give me the exclamation point. Give me the You don't know what point. it means, but it sounds good. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30.